You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. We're launching into a new series titled, Did Jesus Really Say That? Um, Next five weeks, we're going to look at some of the hard sayings of Jesus and talk about how they challenge our lives. This is one of the things I can almost guarantee you this morning, that over the next five weeks, I'm probably going to offend you more than once. I'm telling you that just to get you ready. Uh, And actually, it's not me who's offending you. It's the words of Jesus. Because just as they offended individuals in Jesus' day, so they're still challenging and even abrasive and even at times cutting for us in our own lives. So uh, to help me out this morning, I would like for you to repeat these words after me. Would you say this with me? Pastor Farrell, I choose not... To be offended over the next five weeks. Amen. That helps me out. When we think about the hard sayings of Jesus, there's actually two kinds of, of hard sayings. First, there's the hard saying that's difficult for us to understand. So like we need, we need help interpreting. We need help understand. We need help comprehending what Jesus was actually saying. That's the first type of hard saying. The, the second type of hard saying is the saying that's easy to understand but hard to live out. So those that are hard to understand and those that are, are hard to live out. It was Mark Twain who said, the things in the Bible that bother me are not the things I don't understand, but those that I do understand. And I think we would agree with that, right? Things we understand that's challenging to live at. I mean, if we're honest, it it bothers us. So before we get started in this sermon this morning, this series, I I want us to do a little interaction, meaning we're going to talk this morning Here's the question. If you were going to describe or define Jesus Christ to someone, what word or words would you use? So you're going to describe or define Jesus Christ to someone. What word or words would you use? Loving. Savior. Awesome. Is that what I heard? Awesome. Merciful. Unchangeable, gracious. What else did I hear? Passionate, Lord, David. God. Yeah, he was son of God, fully God. Radical. Friend. Obviously, all of all of these are right. Loving, generous, kind, merciful, compassionate. Words that we would use to describe or define Jesus. Interesting though, no one described Jesus like this demanding. We're going to look at a passage of scripture this morning where Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to hate your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your sister, your brother, even your own life. How many of you know that's pretty demanding? And descriptive words that define in Jesus... I didn't hear anyone say difficult. Yet at one point, Jesus said, if you're not willing to forgive others, your father will not forgive you. How many of you know forgiveness is oftentimes difficult to walk out? It's one of those things that's a whole lot easier to talk about than it actually is to to live out. 
Or what about this radical? I think I heard someone say radical. A word descriptive of Jesus, radical. You know, at one point, Jesus said, Man, if you're gonna, if you're gonna uh, have eternal life, if you wanna be a part of who I am, he says, you're gonna have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I can tell you, for the Jewish people who were there listening to Jesus, that was a very offensive statement. Radical statement. You know, oftentimes when we think of Jesus, we think of someone who was meek and mild and gentle. And, and, and certainly, certainly Jesus was, was all of that. But he also challenged his followers to a lifestyle that was radically different than the world, the culture they was living, that was radically different than the religious structure of the day. He was gentle and kind, meek and mild, yet he was also radical. Listen, the teaching of Jesus was often harsh and cutting. He was not a preacher of convenience, but hardships. He was not a preacher of comfort, but suffering. Whereas today, we fixate on the happiness of believers. Jesus was actually more concerned about the holiness of believers. It's not that he was against happiness, but holiness was of greater value. And it was holiness that he called his followers to. Today, we try to move people to a decision to accept Jesus. But Jesus actually called people to a deeper level of commitment. Jesus was looking for followers, not fans. Followers, not fans. At one point, the scripture tells us that many in the crowd turned away and they quit following Jesus. And this is what they said. said, Jesus, that teaching is very hard. Teaching is very difficult. And, and this large crowd, many in the crowd, the scripture says, they turned away and they began to leave Jesus. And you know what I find very interesting about that is Jesus didn't chase after them to try to comfort them and make them happy. He didn't lower the standard. He didn't compromise to make them feel better about the situation so the crowd would stay. Listen, Jesus wasn't in the crowd. It's not like he panicked when the crowd left, like he was insecure in who he was, like he needed the crowd. No, he let the folks leave. He didn't lower the standard. Then he said to the twelve, do you want to leave too? Do you want to go? And Simon Peter responded with these words. He says, Lord... To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And Peter was right. Jesus is the Holy One of God who came to give His life that that we might have life. But listen, Jesus didn't come just to save us. He came to radically change our lives. He came to to call us to a lifestyle that's radically different um, than the culture that we live in. That's That's why it's challenging. It's challenging to follow Jesus. That's why I say following Jesus is not easy and it's not safe. Oftentimes I've heard people try to soft sell Jesus. You know what I mean by soft sell Jesus? It goes something like this. Oh, just say yes to Jesus and everything's going to be wonderful in your life. That may be in your experience, but that's not been my experience. Here people say, oh, just say yes to Jesus. And wow, he's just going to like, he's going to save you from all your problems. He's the answer. Just say yes to Jesus and your life's going to be like, wow, you'll be so blessed. And you will be. I don't want to take away from it. You will be blessed. You will have um, abundant life. You will have joy. You will have peace. But listen, following Jesus is not easy. It's not easy. 
to be a committed follower of Christ, to be sowed, to be sowed out to Jesus. Listen, Jesus said things like this. He said, just as they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So why do we think it's so odd when we're persecuted in the world today? Jesus told us it was going to happen. Jesus said, John 16, 11, he says, in this world you will have trouble. I mean, he told us we're going to have trouble before the trouble gets here. Why would we expect it to be easy? No, listen, following Jesus is right and it's good, but it's, but it's not easy. See, salvation requires a decision, but following Jesus requires a commitment. It requires us to be totally sown out, all in, fully committed. There's a story of a chicken and a pig that walking down a country road. They came up on this little country church, and there was a sign out front of the church, one of those signs that you can change the letters to create different sayings on the sign. And the chicken said to the pig, now you've got to work with me a little bit here. The chicken said to the pig, uh, or on the sign was this question, what can we do for the poor? And the chicken said to the pig, says, hey, i got an idea. I know what we can do. What can we do for the poor? I know what we can do. We could serve them a breakfast of eggs and bacon. <laughs> and the pig said, whoa, 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 wait a minute here. said, a breakfast of eggs and bacon only requires a contribution from you, but it requires total commitment from me. <laughs> so oftentimes, I think we're more interested in making a contribution when it's convenient to Jesus than we are being totally committed to following Him. We're more like the chicken, what we want to make the contribution. Yet Jesus is calling us to what? He's calling us to be fully committed, to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. In Luke 9.23, we're going to get to Luke 14. In Luke 9.23, listen to what Jesus said. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Notice, he must. Doesn't say Jesus. Jesus doesn't say if you'd like to, if it's convenient. No, he says, you must. You must deny yourself. You must take up a cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. Listen, following Jesus is not safe and it is not easy. What we must understand this morning is God's, God's ultimate goal for your life is not just to make you comfortable. His ultimate goal for your life is to shape your character. He's more interested in who you're becoming than you just being happy, than you just being fulfilled, than you just being comfortable. Again, there's nothing wrong with happy. I believe that God wants us to be happy, but he's more concerned about who we're becoming than just our state of being happy. God wants us to grow up spiritually, to become like Christ. However... In our Western Christianity, we've been led to believe that following Jesus leads to happiness. It leads to a trouble-free life. It leads to prosperity. However, Jesus calls us, get this, He calls us to take up our cross and follow Him. He said, again, that we would be persecuted as He was. He said that we would face trouble as He did. And all of this, all of this is a part of growing in the faith. All this is a, a, a part of the process of walking out the faith. In this process, what we must understand today is that there's a cost. 
There's a cost to being a follower of Jesus. If you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, then Jesus makes it really clear to us that we must be willing to embrace the cost. Following Jesus is not easy. And it's not safe. Actually, I think it's pretty dangerous. You're going to be a radical, devoted, committed follower of Jesus Christ. You're choosing to live a dangerous life. A radical life. So so let's look at what Jesus had to say in Luke 14 about following him. Verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot, notice, cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Notice, in the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Verse 34, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So get the picture of what's happening here in this passage of Scripture. The Scripture says that a large crowd is following Jesus. Now, we don't know if it was hundreds or thousands Uh, But it was a lot of people, they're following Jesus, most likely because they were fans. They were fans of Jesus. They had heard some of his teachings. They were wild. Maybe they'd seen some miracles. Maybe they were even there to have some of the bread and fish when Jesus multiplied the little boy's lunch and they they got like a free lunch. Uh, We don't know exactly why they were there, but there was a large crowd. So this picture, this large crowd following Jesus Jesus comes to a point, he turns, addresses the crowd, and he says something like this, if you're going to follow me, you have to hate your mother, your father, your wife, your children, your brother, your sister. How many of you know statements like that can thin a crowd pretty quick? Like those are not like popular crowd drawing words. Jesus issues this hard saying, this statement as to what it means to be a follower by using shocking statements and juxtaposing common wisdom with truths that seemed incongruous. Jesus made his listeners think. He challenged their lives and he called them to a deeper level of commitment. And I would suggest to you this morning that this is not just a call to the people that Jesus was speaking to. The call is for us as well today. He's calling you this morning to a deeper level of commitment. He's calling you to live in this place called sold out, all in. Jesus wanted the people that he was speaking to to truly know the cost 
The cost to follow Him. Now, now the hard saying here is that we must hate our family to be a follower of Jesus. So so what did Jesus really mean by that statement? What what was He trying to communicate by that statement? Pastor Daryl Bach, in one of his books, um, really brings clarity to the statement. I thought he said it so well, I just wanted to put it in your notes. So you have it there before you this morning. Notice what Pastor Bach wrote. He says, the meaning of hate carries a comparative force here. The idea is not that we should hate our family or lives, but that in comparison to Jesus, if we are forced to choose, the winner in that choice should be Jesus. So if we're we're in a place where we have to choose, Jesus wins. He's the priority. He's the choice. That's what Jesus was communicating. Now, for most of us today, we've probably not had to really deal with this um, intense challenge in our lives because of where we live, families that we were raised in. But around the world, in most countries around the world, if individuals choose to become a follower of Jesus Christ, it brings them to a crisis of being rejected by their family. To choose to follow Jesus means this, that their family wants nothing to do. And to choose to follow Jesus means this, they're going to be disowned, disinherited, cut off from the family. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's not saying that we, we must literally hate, but he's saying if we're put in a situation, then we choose Jesus over people and over plans and over possessions, over anything else. The choice is it's, it's, it's Jesus. You know, I have two friends. I actually have more than two friends. But I have, I have two friends who experienced this very reality in their lives. One of, one of my friends grew up in a, in a, a home, a Muslim home, where they uh, were living out the Muslim religion, staunch, um, staunch in their religion. And this young man had an encounter with Jesus Christ. It was much like a, uh, an Apostle Paul road to Damascus experience. If you remember that Acts chapter 9 where, where Paul had this encounter with Jesus. He had an encounter much like that. It was, it was a supernatural encounter. And this young man uh, knew that he couldn't turn away from what he had experienced. This revelation that came to him. So he became a follower of Jesus. He turned away from his Muslim religion and became a follower of Jesus Christ. And his dad said to him, you're no longer welcome here in our home. As a matter of fact, I'm going to count you as good as dead. Now, for this man, it's not that he hated his mom and his dad. He, he dearly loves his mom and dad. However, he was placed in a situation, do I choose mom and dad, this family relationship, or do I choose Jesus? And he chose Jesus. I have another friend who grew up in a he was a, a, grew up in a Jewish home, part of a Jewish family, and he chose to follow the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And as a result of his choice to follow the Messiah, basically the same thing happened. His family said, we want nothing to do with you. They disowned him. They cut him off. Treating him as good as dead. Why? Because he chose to follow Jesus. So two situations. Again, this, this is quite common around the world where individuals... Are, are placed in a situation where do I choose family or do I choose Jesus? And Jesus is saying, you're going to follow me. It requires, 
It requires that you choose Christ. And what's clear for me, what's clear from this text that we read this morning is that Jesus was not interested in attracting the crowds. Rather, his interest was in making disciples. Crowd left, he didn't panic. He didn't lower the standard. He didn't lower the bar. He consistently called his followers to greater levels of commitment. Again, he's calling us to that same level of commitment. So so what does it mean to follow Jesus? From what Jesus said, I think it comes down to three points of action that each of us must take. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it comes down to these three things. The first is this. You have to count the cost. The second is make Jesus the priority in your life. And the third is embrace the process. Let me talk about each of these just for a moment. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, the first thing you have to do is you have to count the cost. You know, becoming a Christian is free, right? Becoming a Christian is free. Well, we're all saved by grace and grace alone. You absolutely cannot earn your way, work your way to salvation. There's no one in the room today who can say, well, I worked hard enough and now I'm saved. No, you were saved by grace and grace alone. Salvation is free. Hear me, friends. Salvation is free. But following Jesus will cost you. It will cost you. That's what, that's what Jesus was, was communicating. He says, hey, there's a, there's a cost to following me. You need to count the cost. After Jesus made the hard saying concerning being a follower, he gave two points of illustration to support what he was saying. First, he says that if you were going to build a tower, if you were going to construct a house or a building, he said before you, in, before you began the project, he says first thing you would do is you would sit down, do all the numbers and say, hey, can I afford this project? Can I complete this project? You would count the cost. Before you begin to build the building, if you begin to build the building and you've not counted the cost, you only get the foundation in. People are going to come by and say, wow, what a fool he was. He couldn't even finish the project. The first thing you need to do, he says, if you're going to build the building, you need to count the cost. Need to do the work. Figure it out. What's it going to cost? The second illustration he gave was, was of a king. He says, if there's a king going to war against another king... Before he goes to war, he should like count the cost, figure this out. Hey, can I win this battle? If I can't win the battle, if I'm going to go out on the battlefield and get my tail kicked, then maybe it would be better for me to send a peace treaty, like go out with the white flag rather than the battle flag, if I know I'm going to get beat. What? The king should count the cost. So Jesus uses those two illustrations for us to say, hey, you need to count the cost. You need to know. What it's going to cost. Are you willing to embrace the cost? He following the two illustrations, Jesus said, in the same way. Referring back to the two illustrations. In the same way, any one of you who does not give up everything cannot be my disciple. Folks, there's a cost. I want you to know this morning, there's a cost to following Jesus. Salvation is free and is available through God's grace, but following Jesus will cost you everything. That's what Jesus makes so clear here in that scripture. But can I tell you, the cost is nothing compared to the value. 
The value, the value for us far outweighs the cost. Listen, if, if, if you count the cost and choose to follow Jesus, this is what you're going to experience. You're going to experience abundant life while you're here on this earth. And Jesus, very clear, John 10, 10, he says, I have come that you might have life and life in abundance. If you choose to count the cost and follow Jesus, you're going to experience the privilege of doing life with Jesus and having Jesus work in and through your life. John 14, 12, Jesus says that you're going to do what I've been doing and even greater things because I'm going to the Father. You become a co-laborer with Christ. If you're willing to count the cross and follow Jesus, you're going to experience the rewards. You're going to experience rewards both in this life and in eternity. In Luke 18, 29, listen, listen to what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, no one who's left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. Well, you, if you want to count the cost and follow what there's the promise of reward in this life and for eternity. And then we'll experience the blessing of eternal life. So is there a cost to following Jesus? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Yeah. Absolutely. But the first thing Jesus would say is you've got you to count the cost. The second point of action if, that's necessary if we're going to follow Jesus is we have to be willing to give Jesus first priority. Listen, Jesus cannot be second, third, fourth, fifth, or a nice option in your life when it's convenient. He wants first place, first priority in your life. That's exactly what he was communicating in verse 26. Luke 14, 26, when he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life. In this verse, what was Jesus talking about? He's talking about priority. He was saying, I must have greater priority in your life than all of these other relationships. And when Jesus tells us to to hate our nearest and dearest, he does not mean that literally. He means that that no love in life can compare with the love we must have for Him. That no love in life must compete with the love we have for Him. What we must understand this morning is that our God is a jealous God. And He wants nothing else to stand in the way of our complete unwavering devotion to Him. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus Christ, then Jesus must have first place, first priority in your life above everything else. That's why Jesus would say these words in Matthew 6.33, but seek ye first, not second, not third, not fourth, not when it's convenient. No, Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom, the kingdom of God in His righteousness. That, that Jesus would have that first priority. Now, if you can think of it like this this morning, If you can get this mental picture, everyone in this room today has a throne in your heart. Like a throne that a king would sit on. So every one of us have a throne in our hearts. And only one person can sit on the throne. It can be Jesus. 
It can be self. It can be others. But it can't be all three. Here's the question for you this morning. Who's sitting on the throne of your heart? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, then he has to have first priority. He has to have first claim to your life. The final point of action that Jesus calls us to, to be a follower, is we must be willing to embrace the process. Look at what Jesus said in verse 27. He says, if anyone who does not carry his cross and follow uh, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Notice the carry cross and follow, carry cross and follow. What does that speak of? It speaks of a process. You don't carry cross and follow like a single one-time event in your life. No, carrying the cross and following is like every day. It's a daily process in our lives. Jesus calls us into a relationship, not just a decision. You know, today in our Western Christianity, we've made it all about the decision. We're trying to move people to a decision. We're trying to get them to receive Jesus. And I'm not against that. But you have to know, folks, that Jesus, like he never talked about, well, you just need to accept me. No, he said, you need to follow me. You need to follow me. Jesus didn't say, hey, you just need to make a decision. No, he says, you need to take up your cross daily and follow me. We're called to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. What I believe speaks to this ongoing process of spiritual transformation in our lives. Of us being transformed to become more like Christ. It's the process. It's the very process the Apostle Paul spoke of in Ephesians 4, 22, 23, and 24, where he wrote these words. He says, put off the old man, renew the mind, put on the new man. Put off the old man, renew the mind, put on the new man. How many of you know that is an ongoing process? Ongoing process. We, that, listen, that doesn't happen in a day. It's the, it's, it's the very process that Jesus was speaking of. Every day, I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to embrace the process of this transformation of what, of what Jesus is working in my life. So again, this is not a, like a one-time-a-week, one-time-a-month process. This is a daily process. And the daily process involves, I believe, at least four things. The first is this, is choosing to follow Jesus. The first step is you've got to choose to follow. In other words, you're going to choose to make Jesus the priority. You know, every morning you get up, what do you do, Jesus? I mean, what, this is one of my prayers, my common prayers that I pray almost every day. Jesus, I commit this day to you. May I be a lifter of others in this day. Jesus, use my life. I'm, I'm, I'm just committing the day. I'm giving Jesus that priority. I think secondly, we're daily embracing the refining of the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the third person in the Trinity that reveals Jesus to us, that convicts us, that guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit is the one who's refining us, making us more like Jesus. In other words, folks, here's the good news. It's, all not, it's not all left up to you. Isn't that good news? In other words, I don't have to like get myself all fixed up all on my own. I have a helper. It's called the Holy Spirit. You have a helper. 
What's he doing? Refine. But we need to embrace. So Holy Spirit, refine in my life. Holy Spirit, I give you right. I give you the right to refine in my life. I think, thirdly, the daily process also involves dying to ourselves. Dying to ourselves. Now, I can't talk about your life because I don't know you that well, but I can talk about my life because I know me quite well. I'm with me everywhere I go. I try to get away from me, and then I, I couldn't. I figured out everywhere I am, there I am, right? The greatest challenge for me in following Jesus Christ is not Satan, and it's not sin. It's self. Self. And I think if you were honest this morning in the assessment of your own life, you would come to the same place. What's the greatest challenge in you following Jesus Christ? Itself. So what do we need? We need a good funeral every day. We're dying to ourselves. And that we can in a greater way embrace the Lordship of of Jesus Christ. Lastly, this daily process of taking up a cross and following Jesus requires us to live out the life of Jesus Christ. So now it's Christ living through us. We want to come to the place that the Apostle Paul came to where Paul said these words, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. Christ living in me. We're living out the life of Christ as we're following after Him. So what I would want you to know this morning is that following Jesus and being His disciple is right and it's good. It's fulfilling. It's life-giving. But it's not easy. It's not easy. That's why Jesus would, would make this hard statement. Be a follower of Jesus, you need to count the cost. You need to make Jesus the first priority, first place. You need to embrace, embrace the process. In Luke 14, 33, Jesus made it really clear as to what it looked like to follow him. And I I really like the way the message paraphrase states this. We have the verse on the screen. So I'm going to invite you. Would you read this with me? Let's read it out loud. Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. How many of you know that's pretty clear? Pretty bottom line. Basically, Jesus saying here, I won't be second. I won't be second. Want to be my follower? Need to count the cost. Jesus, the priority. Embrace, embrace the process. So, so here's the question I want to leave you with this morning. Will you be a fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? A fan of Jesus or a follower of Jesus? The fan is all about the crowd. The fan is like all in when everything's going well. The fan is all committed as long as they're getting what they want but when the when the the road gets difficult when the times get challenging 
when the teachings of Jesus get hard, it's the fan who leaves. It's the fan who drops out. Why? Because they were never really committed. They were there for the good times. They were there as long as Jesus gave them what they wanted. But when the teaching got hard, it was the fans who left. The follower of Jesus, though, is one who's fully committed, sold out, daily taking up their cross and follow Jesus. So again, really simple question this morning. For folks watching online, for everyone here, are you going to be a fan of Jesus Christ or a follower? It's your decision. I'm not here to manipulate you, to twist the arm, bring you to a decision. Because this is what I've discovered. The arm twisting doesn't work. It doesn't. If you are not willing and committed to be a follower, me trying to force you to it or manipulate you to it, it's not going to work. It's a decision that you have to make. When Jesus gave this hard saying, there were many in the crowd, the fans, who left. And Jesus let them leave. And he continued to build into the committed, to the followers, to the disciples. So again, here's the question for you this morning. Are you going to be a fan of Jesus? Or are you going to be a follower? Your choice. Would you pray with me, Lord? I thank you this morning for your word that challenges us to the core of our being. For your word that, Lord, maybe for some it even grates them this morning. Your word this morning, maybe that makes some here a little uncomfortable. Jesus, we're just grateful that you were willing to speak truth, truth that we need to hear, truth that calls us deeper into relationship with you, truth that refines us, truth that shakes us a bit. So we're grateful for your word and and the truth of your word for our lives this morning. And as we look to this passage of Scripture, it's really about following. Jesus, you said... you. You're calling us to follow, but with that there's a cost. And to understand the cost and to give you the priority in our lives to embrace the process. And so, Lord, that brings us, for everyone in the room today, that brings us to a point of decision. Are we content with just being a fan, kind of hanging out with Jesus when everything's good? Are we going to be a committed follower? whose lives are radically changed. Lord Jesus, because of your, your work in us and through us, a fan or a follower. So Holy Spirit, in just the quietness of this moment, I ask that you would search people's hearts. Maybe in their lives they've been fans, and today you're really drawing them to be a follower, to be all in, sold out, totally committed the Holy Spirit convict reveal truth to us today in this moment 
of quietness. So with every head bowed and eye closed, no one looking around, if you're here today and you would just say, hey, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm all in, committed. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I don't want to be a fan. I want to be a follower. You're not raising your hand to reveal that to me. This is between you and God. So what would you want to say to God this morning? Are you going to be a fan or a follower? If you're committing today to be a follower, would you just raise your hand really? Lord, this morning, the main floor in the balcony, online, Lord, individuals have hands lifted to you saying, I'm going to be a follower. I'm all in, committed. Holy Spirit, for those who have hands lifted who are just, again, making that statement. Lord, maybe they made this statement many times in their life, but they're just they're, they're renewing that commitment today. Holy Spirit, we invite your ongoing refining work in our lives. Every day, may we be taking up our cross, following Jesus. Taking up our cross, following Jesus. God, that you might be honored in and through our lives, and that we might be effective and living out a vibrant faith to a watching world. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.